I just we just fucked around. It took us a long time. We had we had, we didn't we had to figure out the headphones thing. Yeah. It was like a whole situation. I'm so glad we didn't have to figure it out during the show because it took us a little while. Not that Zencaster is hard to figure out. It was just more like figuring out how to make Zoom and Zencaster work together. Which, although I would much rather podcast in person, um, one of the nice things about the Zoom podcast is that you get this audio, rec- the video recording, which you can share to YouTube, which is fun, which we haven't had before. So, Well, as Hillary posted in the at-home movie group mm-hmm. that she was just playing around with Premiere and she said mm-hmm. you'd be so proud of her for figuring all that out. And I was like, yes, because Premiere is a bitch and Nicole is amazing. I don't know how she figured out all this shit. You're so sweet. I didn't. No. I went to school and they amazing. taught me where everything was. <laughs> Right and well, in Final Cut, and then and I, I took that not. and I took that and transferred that knowledge. But um, also, I watch a lot of videos. But you know, not I'm not. I'm swear to God, I'm not plugging this. I do have tutorials <laughs> that I have made. <laughs> I have eight of them now. Well, eight. What well, the eighth one is going up next week? But there are eight tutorials up now uh, of me talking about how to use Premiere. So if you need that, I don't know if I'll keep making. I mean, I'm, I will keep making them. But right now teaching feels a bit like doing a YouTube tutorial. And so it's taken some of the fun out of doing a YouTube tutorial because all of my teaching is remote. And so I feel like I'm constantly doing a YouTube tutorial. Let's do talk shows. I want to do a talk show. I told you guys about my idea, right? Where I'm no, but I have a switcher now. I bought a $1,200 switcher without knowing that. I I don't even know what that is. You'll have to tell me. We can take different camera sources and you can transition between them. And that's what I did not know that it would do. I thought it would just hook me up to the internet, but here we are. And yeah. Okay. That Mm -hmm. sounds fun. I could rent a, you said the, the black magic six K has an EF mount on it, right? Yes, it does. Oh my God. So I did not want to tell you about that, but I don't want to tell you about that because I I I rent one. I could rent one. You could totally use it. Like when we were talking about doing like the um the sketch shows and doing yeah. our little runner. Yeah. Yeah. The six K takes EF mounts. Okay, well there Just you go. Put that out there. Because I have yeah. those fancy lenses I'm not using. Yes. You um do. so my idea was to do a YouTube show where I play a character who's who interviews people from my bed because I'm depressed during quarantine. And so I would just interview different people. Like I was going to write, I was going to write one for you, Ava, where both of us are just like outdoing each other about how depressed we are. And then I was going to do one where Sarah plays a character where she keeps saying that she's fine, but she's not fine. And she just like has a breakdown. <laughs> Can we film this, please? I like, want I to. to are you guys now. into it? Okay. Yeah. Yes. Oh my Sorry. I'm so no, excited. I'm glad you're excited. Um, I, I, I thought, th- and also I thought there'd be like a segment near the end where I go, okay, now it's time for what's in my nightstand. And then I would just pull something weird out of my nightstand. I don't know. Or oh. maybe a segment like how many blankets do I have on my bed right now? Because I don't know why, but during quarantine, they're just like more and more bl- blankets just like appearing on my bed for some reason. I don't know why. And it's summertime. So it doesn't make any sense. It defies all logic. Meanwhile, here I am, like, getting so hot in bed and on Zoom calls <laughs> that I am stripping that my therapist is like, okay, so let's go over the rules of what we do, and we do not strip on, um, you know, telehealth. Oh. So there's that going on. Oh. He was well, joking with me. It's summertime, though. You can't help it. 
we don't have strip on telehealth. <laughs> we don't strip on telehealth. That is the that's going to be the title of this episode. Okay, so um, welcome, <laughs> welcome to the uh, Feminine Mistake Podcast, um, a podcast about shows that we might do over Zoom. No, this is a podcast about women in film, and we watch films and talk about the way that women have been portrayed in them uh, throughout history and today. And today we are going to be talking about a, a film. That is quite historical and his or historically known. I don't know a a, a, a classic. We're going to talk classic. about a classic. Um, so I'm one of your hosts, Nicole. I'm your other host, Sarah. And as our special guest today, we have the only person who has ever been on the Feminine Mistake podcast already. So she's been on the Feminine Mistake podcast before. Also was on the Georgia May podcast. The only guest we ever had on the Georgia May podcast. Uh, please welcome writer actor amazing person ava davis ava davis thank you thank you thank, thank you, you. <laughs> i feel a little bit of a need to um oh my god over. the quiz <laughs> oh my god it's amazing i love it i love it i should, I should be wearing i should be wearing my crown right now um you should. so you should. <laughs> it's you know what it's bolted to the wall next to me which i know sounds insane but i put it yeah. i bolted it to the wall and i and uh, so ava brought a crown to me with a beautiful note, uh, was it last summer or was it in the fall? I don't know. Time has lost meaning. It was last summer. And, I don't know what time is, but yes. And so I have the note and the crown bolted to the wall right next to my computer, which you cannot see because it's off screen. Um, and I look at it whenever I feel like I need a little boost. So um, it's always there. And and so it's very special to me. Um, so thank you for, for, for that. Thank you. <laughs> Um, I think it looks gorgeous and you can wear it as much as you want during this <laughs> recording session. Um, so today, for so this month's film, we're talking today about the 1950 film All About Eve. Um, Eve. 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 Um, <laughs> I'll get our transatlantic accent going. Oh, um, yes. I'm not very good at it, but Sarah has, has it down. The transit. Yes. I don't. I don't know. I don't know if I can do it anymore. You're not. Oh, come on, Vera. I don't know what to say. Uh, That's okay. You can think about it. Maybe work yeah. your way. Maybe could I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to put you on the spot there. Um, but before before we get into that, uh, what has everyone been watching during quarantine? Tales of the Sea. Yes, please tell us oh all God. about it. Okay. I want to hear all about okay. it. I want to tell you all about it. Okay, so it is a series that started by Armistead Maupin, a very famous gay writer back in 1993, and it premiered on PBS of all places. Yes. Let me tell you, there was nudity, nudity. I know that's the one I saw, the older one, and it takes, but it takes place in the 60s or 70s, right? I feel like I remember it well, took place. So it took place in the early 80s, early okay. 80s. When I remember there was a lot HIV of fringe. Was there was a lot of fringe. Yes so much fringe and Parker Posey was in it and it was amazing Ooh. and apparently all the old white men in Congress were so upset that they had to have a meeting about it because mm -hmm. they were like tax dollars used for homosexuals and transsexuals and all that other shit right sorry no um, no I'm I'm making the face of them yes thank you so yeah and then they have done three two other updates okay then this past year on Netflix they released another update oh. with Olympia Dukakis who plays Anna Madrigal and then um, Laura Linney who plays 
marry something. Wasn't and then Olympia smother- Dukakis in the original? She sure was. Okay, and you know okay. who she plays? She played a trans character. Oh, really? Wow. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, my God. And it was that's also why it was groundbreaking back then because it became disclosed during that series that she was trans. And so many old white men literally their heads exploded during Congress. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. But during this series, um, you find out more of her backstory. So Eddie and I watched it today and it was mm-hmm. like, it was, for us, it was like a two-part series because it was so emotionally heavy mm-hmm. when she's finally like, I'm going to tell you what's going on. And they go into her her history. So here's another thing. They go into the Compton riots, which preceded the what we know as the Stonewall riots, preceded mm-hmm. it by a couple of years. And I just learned okay. about this last year. Okay. But it was the predecessor to the Stonewall riots, and it was a bunch of trans women who were sick of being discriminated against yeah riding at the Compton cafeteria mm-hmm. which ironically was just shut down this year because of quarantine and coronavirus right um but they're riding and they're demanding like to be treated like women and mm-hmm. it shows in a magical in this pivotal moment and so what's really prescient about it is it shows her as this woman who has a lot of privilege because she passes in the trans community mm-hmm. meaning she presents fully as female and mm-hmm. men don't notice that she's not trans and that mm-hmm. creates a lot of conflict between the other characters in the show sure and she's dating this police officer and one of the police i'm not going to get into it too much but long mm-hmm. story short it creates a rift between her and her friends and it creates a really beautiful commentary on privilege mm-hmm. and not just the privilege of passing in the trans community, but just white privilege in general. And mm-hmm. what do you do with that privilege? Mm-hmm. Like I highly recommend it. Highly okay. Recommend it. All right. Well, that Tales is Tales of the C- city. Tales by Armisen Maupin. Okay. All right. Well, I am yeah. putting that on my course. Did you say Netflix? Sure. Netflix. Netflix yes. is crushing it with these shows. I mean, pose. I wa- well, pose is on FX. No, it's on, it's on Netflix. It's it is on Netflix now. Yeah, yes. it's on Netflix now. As as a replay, but it's it's been on F, the FX network. They're just replaying. Yes. They have the rights to replay it. It's not being developed by Netflix. Is okay, what I'm so saying. Netflix developed ta- Tales of the Sis. This current this current iteration, yes, okay. because previously I think it. I know at least the first season was on PBS. I don't know about right. this two other se- um, seasons, but mm-hmm. this one is on Netflix. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. th- gosh, thank you. That's an amazing recommendation that we should all be watching. Now I need to catch up with the, I, I haven't seen the 90s version probably since the 90s. And then the other two versions as well. Um, but I, I really got to check out this. this new okay. One so the, the very first season that was on, excuse me, that was on Amazon Prime, I feel like. That's okay. where Eddie and I had to go to, to watch it. Okay. We could not find the next two seasons. Mm. but like, so I bet you, I, not, not that I encourage uh, piracy in, in, in any form, but I'm pretty sure mm. that Chris and I could find it if you really you, want I, it. Mm-hmm, we okay. could. We could. I'm going to see if Chris so, and I uh, can find that for you. There, We have our ways. But the original series, for those who are like legal ways if you're in the legal law profession. So the legal ones are on Netflix, the first season. 
And then there is the Netflix series. There is also a documentary mm -hmm. that took place before the current Netflix series mm -hmm. where Armistead Maupin goes into the history and they have so many of the original cast coming to talk in this documentary. So what happened was Eddie watched, Eddie and I started watching the current Netflix season. Mm -hmm. And then he remembered, oh, we watched that documentary. Let me go back and watch that without you. Mm -hmm. So he watched oh, that. I hate it when, I hate it when my, my spouse watches things without me. That's the worst. But what we did is we watched, he was like, we need to watch the PBS documentary. And I was like, okay. So we watched that. And then he let me watch the documentary with him. Oh, good. So kind. I know, as um, it should be, because it's a personal right. affront to me when Chris watches something that he knows that I want to watch without him. You know? But I do or the same me. things. But I do the same things, although I always stop when it gets interesting. I was like, I need to watch this. I do them. too. If I watch right? like 10 in 10 minutes, if 10 minutes in, I'm like, Chris would like this. I'd stop it. And then we watch it. And then I try to watch it with him the next day. It's a I care. thing. Like, I care. Yeah. And he, he cares too. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, of course. <laughs> I don't mean to imply that he doesn't. But I just know like Chris, Chris would just steamroll through something. If he already right. started it, that's it. But so, you know that's fair. Yeah. Um. Thank you. That's an amazing recommendation. Uh, Sarah, what are you watching? Um. Well, today I watched the first episode of Jeffrey Epstein, Filthy Rich. Oh my god. Okay. Please. Have you seen, seen it? Spill the tea. Just um, previews. So, he's a horrible piece of mm. shit. Yes. Um, is this something I can emotionally handle right now? No. This documentary. Okay. So so no, because monarchy. No, I was thinking about you, Nicole. Actually, because the girls that he targets were like fourteen. Oh, God. Um. So I don't think you could. No. Um, yeah. No. I can't. Um, I can't do it. And basically, just a gist is that it was a pyramid scheme of child molestation. Cool. Stop that's it. my that's my favorite kind of pyramid scheme. Stop it. Yeah. Okay, it's not at all. It's sarcasm <laughs> that you can't tell. Yeah. Yeah. So that's just like the the gist. Um so I I really am interested in true crime because it's like mm -hmm. just having to think about why would someone do something like that? Like that's mm -hmm. the fascination of true crime for me. But uh maybe i should have watched it today like today was already a sad day and i just was like maybe you should have watched something fluffy today something fluffy yeah like sarah you've like been watching good place you've been deep into the cr true crime i deep. feel like i need to prescribe to you some fluff or some thirst yes like maybe Ooh, there's thirst. that too hot to handle sorry I'm just, what, oh, wait, is that, should, is that what I should watch if I'm feeling thirsty? Which it's quarantine, so I am obviously feeling thirsty 24-7. Oh you are so thirsty, you need to watch Too Hot to Handle. Too so, hot. okay, actually, Too Hot to Handle and then Married at First Sight, because what happens is, for me, okay. let me just get into it for me. Okay. Um, I saw the Australian guy, and I was like, whew. Lord okay. Jesus, and then I saw Kari, and yeah. I don't. I think he's English. I don't know. And then I was like, "Oh dear Lord, man, Jesus!" Um, and then I went previously into Love at First Sight, okay. and I saw Cameron and the other guy whose name I cannot remember. Cameron has a successful marriage, okay. but the other guy has a successful fling, and I guess they got married, and I don't know, but he definitely seems like, you know, the player type, but I guess he settled okay. down. I don't know. Watch both of them. All right, so and then too talk hot to, to handle, going to add that, going to add that, and then talk to Francis. 
Yes. <laughs> Is this and one Dominic. of those shows that I was going to say Dominic's watching this too, I'm sure. Yes, because apparently, well, I'm not going to give out his secrets. So yes. Okay. 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 So Sarah, there's, those are some nonfiction shows that you can watch instead of true crime. Also, I believe thirsty. there's a Chris Hemsworth action film, which I can only imagine he must take his shirt off at some point. It is an action movie. It's on Netflix. I haven't watched it. You look dubious. I am so thirsty. I am I'm so a- thirsty. I'm dehydrated, frankly. <laughs> I am dehydrated. That's how thirsty big- I am action person like even if there's a really hot person in the film i'm not but it's chris hemsworth sarah you're right chris hemsworth um i also don't want to do any like romance stuff right now like romance that's why an action movie is perfect because you can objectify objectify a man's body in a way that doesn't have to do with romance okay right (laughs) yes um those yes Yes. No, Chris Hemsworth for sure, because he's like, he's very hot. He's very cute. He's very adorable. He's funny. He's, he's funny. Yeah, he's funny. Um, so I just want to talk about that for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what it is this is, but so in transitioning, like I've been very conscious of the male gaze and the female gaze. Yes. And I've been very curious about that because it's very, it's maintain transition wise but i don't know what i'm trying to get at here oh i'm interested um, i'm like your gaze outward or with how oh, you perceive others to gaze you both i guess but no more my gaze outward like mm-hmm. i feel like it's been consistent but i've had trouble reconciling it because like when i identified as male it was like well clearly this is a male gaze but mm-hmm. now that i've transitioned it was like well it was clearly female gaze all along but mm-hmm. is it wrong to i objectify men in the same way and does it translate differently mm. and we went over that some of that in my comp- comparative literature classes okay. when we were talking about i cannot remember the name of the book but it was called so vast the prison i cannot remember mm-hmm. the author Okay. But she employed the female gaze very well in it mm-hmm. in a literature setting. But I still have trouble with that post identifying as a female and accepting a gaze in any form. Okay. If that makes I any see. sense. I see. I um you know, I think that I don't think there's anything wrong with celebrating the beauty of the human body. Um, What I, what, what I, what I, what I think squigs me out is the fact that I feel like the gaze is so unbalanced. It's unbalanced. It's so here it's interesting. And I wasn't play. I had completely forgotten. I've watched, I'd watched this movie, which I suppose tells you something about the movie. But earlier this week, Chris and I watched birds of prey, the Harley Quinn movie. Ooh, right. And uh, it was the writing was not great, um, but the uh, but the action scenes were fun. And so if you're looking for something fun and stupid, uh, I would watch it. The most interesting thing to me, and I've seen a lot of people comparing pictures of this on social media, is the difference between the way Harley Quinn was photographed and dressed in the in the uh, um, original Suicide Squad movie versus the way she's photographed and dressed in Birds of Prey. 
And it's, it's, it's a textbook example of the male gaze versus the female gaze. And in the original movie, she's dressed in this tight bikini-laying thing with her ass cheeks hanging out. And she's got this very babyish disposition. And, um, and in, the mo- in the Birds of Prey movie, um, and I think you can make a justification narratively to why her outfit changes, I guess. But in the Birds of Prey movie, she is still wearing like sort of clothes that show off her body, but in a different way where it's like fun and hot and fun and not like this, like this is, this woman is a fucking sex object. Do you know what I mean? Like where like you can see her muscles and she's like fun and she's wearing these fun colors. And it's like, that's an outfit I'd want to wear, you know, if I, yeah, if my if I if I felt comfortable wearing something <laughs> shorts like that, I don't know. I'm a, I'm not sure. I do wear short shorts anyway. We'll not get into my feelings about my own body, but um, anyway. So I, I think that if I had more, if I didn't feel like the gaze was on f- women all the time in places where it seems weird and it shouldn't be there, you know, where it just feels like it absolutely has no place in the story. I wouldn't have a problem with it if it was a little more even, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I certainly appreciate, I would certainly appreciate a little more female gaze for yes. me during this quarantine. If you know what I'm saying. I know and, what you And I feel like I'm getting a taste of the female gaze now that I am following a bunch of uh, fanfic people on Twitter who are just thirsting after Adam Driver constantly <laughs> and posting... The most obscene close-up pics of parts of his body you could possibly imagine, <laughs> and I'm like, Jesus Christ! Um, uh, this is this is what it is. If this if this is what men do with women, but you don't see yeah. women doing it in mainstream media because they're not the ones making the content. Just generally yeah. speaking. I... So... What? What? Go ahead. Whoever me. <laughs> Yeah, you. Go, Sarah. Go. Um, yeah, someone asked me if I had ever objectified men. Um, and like, okay, so we were talking about how he used to objectify, like, he used to, like, not, not understand, you know, mm-hmm. um, that was wrong because, uh, I don't know, but, uh, he asked me if I ever objectified men and I, w- mm-hmm. I had to think about it. I was like, yeah. I mean, not to their face. Like <laughs> that's the thing is, like I don't like it when it. I think it's difficult when the when the male gaze turns it on you, so that then you feel like you have to be this thing, this imaginary thing. Like it's yeah. warped our own sense of our own bodies. Yeah, and that is a negative. And yeah. it's, I think, also made the way that it, the way that what part of the male gaze has been allowed to exist is very narrow. And there's a much broader range of, of bodies that could be included in that gaze. So it makes the range narrow. And so it limits what, how women can feel about how how we can feel beautiful, but also it makes men feel in somewhere internally that they have to limit what they think is beautiful. And it's a whole big fucking mess. And if, Mm -hmm. so I would, so I would say celebrate the gaze as long as the gaze is 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 open and balanced, I guess is what I'm saying. Balance the gaze. Balance the gaze. That's what I'm Balance saying. Balance the gaze. What's weird though is probably about two years ago in my therapy on transitioning, mm-hmm. 
my therapist and I had to go into what does it mean to be a woman? Because Mm -hmm. I was having real issues with body hair issues and facial hair issues. Mm -hmm. And so he was, he literally told me like, examine women and Mm -hmm. look at the different variety of women that there are. Mm -hmm. And then luckily for me, and this is why it's such an important movie for me, but um, the greatest showman came out. And so it was canned. It was pan critically, Mm -hmm. but for me, the bearded lady was literally such, she was such a figure for me because Mm -hmm. at that specific moment I was dealing with body hair issues Mm -hmm. and it, and here was this lady singing about being a bearded lady and Mm -hmm. like, this is me. Mm -hmm. And I can remember it two years ago. Um, of watching that movie and I was literally crying in the theater and talking about it with my friend who is literally visiting us now who I'm mm-hmm. secluding myself from but yeah. both of us responded to this movie the same way of like yeah. this is me and mm-hmm. I forget what we were talking about but just no, that that's whole beautiful. Idea yeah. of, of just this opening is opening the gaze opening it up yeah. so that yeah. different- opening the gaze like yeah. all the the amazing variety of beautiful bodies that yes. exist. Like let yeah. us gaze on, let us gaze thirstily on all of these bodies. Yes, <laughs> That's and, what here's I'm the thing. and here's the beautiful thing about the the woman who's visiting me right now is that she's this beautiful Nigerian woman who yeah. struggles so long with such body issues, and mm-hmm. she has turned herself into, as of last year, an award winning bodybuilder with wow. an amazing, like. She is so inspiring to me, and mm-hmm. I don't know that she knows that, but yeah. I've just, she's just inspiring to me, and yeah. That's beautiful, Aww. and now I feel really bad for taking you away from your friend to talk no, about no, no, movies no. with me, <laughs> but that's, be- that's so up, beautiful. I told her, I told mm-hmm. her, like, yeah, we've, she's been family friends for years, and, yeah. like, she's very traditionally Nigerian, and mm-hmm. so, like, for her taking on this bodybuilding role, it was a way mm-hmm. of her taking her body back and reclaiming mm-hmm. her feminine yeah. identity. And for me, that has been so empowering. Like yeah. outside of everything else going on, it's just like just for the feminine. Yeah. Like you can be feminine and you can be a bodybuilder. Like mm-hmm. Yeah, and also going back to the hair thing, like most women remove hair on their face. Like mm-hmm. I use Nair like every two weeks everywhere. Like, so it, it doesn't mean anything. But it's, that's the thing is that we're told you have to look a certain, you have to be a certain way. Yeah. yeah. And so we're all in this trap of what is a woman, you know? Yeah. I think it took me, I, I you know, it's funny. I, uh, uh, um, and I don't compare this at all to, uh, I think, uh, I'm not trying to compare this to the experience you're sharing. I'm adding a different, I'm adding my, I'm adding a different story. I'm yes. And, um, so yes. my mom, and. uh, posted this picture of me with my, my family where I'm, I, I was wearing this crop top to hang out. And I was thinking about how in my, in my teens, even, or when I was super, super thin, Um, because I, you know, was starving myself and in my twenties I was taking diet pills and all these things to stay thin, which, uh, I never would have worn a crop top. I never wore a crop top until my like late thirties when I started hanging out with you guys and feeling comfortable 
with myself and my body in a way that I hadn't before. And now I'm wearing a fucking crop top right now. It's crop top summer, by the way. I've decided it's crop top summer. And I was just thinking about how like I weigh so much more than I ever have in my life. And I've and I and now I proudly wear crop tops because yeah. it took me so long to realize. And I think it's part of this thing that's happening in culture and maybe it's age as well and like not really giving a shit. But the people that I'm with, like I said, and how you guys make me feel comfortable. But it's like it took me like 40 years to realize that like I'm I'm good just like this. Like I don't need to do anything else. I just need to be I need to I know that I need to know that I feel good about my body. And that's hard and a thing that I struggle with, certainly. But um, that. Nobody else is looking at me going, ew, you shouldn't be wearing that. Like, that's the voice inside my head telling me that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what's been the most powerful thing about being involved with Critical Crop Top is that there's been so much body positivity Mm -hmm. that whatever horrible relationship I had with my body, whether it's being male versus female or just weighing myself against the scale is that Mm -hmm. so many beautiful representations of what it means just to be a person and just Mm -hmm. to exist has been so beautifully helpful to me and healing for me um i feel like i'm not even making sense right now you're making total sense i I love love it I feel the same way way too. Like when I was uh, like 60 pounds heavier, I I looked back at the pictures and I'm still, I still have a hard time looking at the pictures and not going like, ew. Um, I think you're gorgeous. And well, I feel a lot more attractive now, but I'm saying Mm -hmm. like when I was like 60 pounds heavier, I get that. But I saw everyone else's reactions to me and no one was like, ew, or like, yeah. Like, yes. It just, like, I just, when I was 13 and I was terrified of gaining weight, I just assumed that if I were to gain weight, no one would be my friend. No one would want to date me. Mm -hmm. um, No one would want to touch me or talk to me Mm -hmm. or love me. Yeah. And I just want to tell that 13-year-old, like, no, that's not how it works. Right? I mean, that's the lie. That's the lie that we have had to live with, (laughs) that it took me, like, 40 years to realize is that that people are attracted to your energy yeah. and your spirit and your, and what you like, what they, that it's not, it's, they're not looking at how many pounds you weigh. Like there are all, there are fucking shallow ass people out there that, that do think like that they've bought into, yeah. they've bought into the whole programming. There are certainly people like that. Unfortunately, a lot of them make decisions about who gets cast in stuff. Yeah. We're working on fuck that. Em. I know. Fuck them. Right. But them. in life, the people that look at that you that when you when they look at you they feel thirsty are are they don't they're not looking at the, all the things that you hate about yourself they're not looking at that and there are sometimes people who love what they lo- lo- look at even if when you see it you're like this is not traditionally attractive but they're mm-hmm. like I, I love it yeah I love you guys and the, the worst thing about quarantine <laughs> is that I cannot hug you right now oh my because God. I want to hug you so badly so like badly my hands like I'm i know i'm just I'm, I'm gonna hug myself to feel like i'm hugging you guys right now <laughs> um so shall we talk about this movie oh my god yes is it time shall <laughs> yes. we because i could just All talk right. about this forever by the way 
Oh my God. Okay. All right. Um, so before we get into this. it, let's talk a little bit about, uh, before we get into the movie itself, let's talk a little about what your experience with, is with the mo- was with the movie before the, the show, having to watch for the show. Uh, okay. Ava, let's start with you. So this is all about Eve, 1950. All about Eve, 1950, and I'm going to take you to 2007, 2008, (laughs) because that was when I was dating the guy at the time, Mark Bogley. I won't go ahead and say his name because I don't know if he's okay with it, but whatever. Um, Anyways, he's definitely listening to our show right now. (laughs) Just kidding. Probably. Wouldn't that be weird? Out of the way, I'm going to send him this recording, and you know what? He's going to deal with it. All right. He played a pivotal. He introduced me to this movie, like okay. literally on one of our first dates, he was like, oh, you haven't seen this movie, like you need to watch it. And we watched a part of it and then we went about our date, but yeah. it was like the movie stuck with me so much that I went, I returned to school at UGA. Mm-hmm. I took dramatic writing and every single paper I wrote in that, whether it was, I don't know on what, but anyways, I wrote about this movie and how it yeah. related to so many different things. And my teacher at the time for dramatic writing for both the first class and then my graduating class, Sheldy Huddleston, mm-hmm. she has seen it too. And she was so supportive and she understood where all my analyses were coming from and how it related to the scripts I was writing and why I admired Joseph Mankiewicz so much in his writing and why it related to my style so much. And yeah. I literally have Mark Mobley to thank for that. So that's thank you. beautiful. And I just want to say, if you're looking for a YouTube show to do, maybe you should do us a couple of episodes about all about Eve. Take that I stuff you that. did from the paper and yeah. transfer it to a commentary um, on this film. I probably will now. I think that's, I think you should. I'd love to watch it. Um, Sarah, how about you? Yawn. Um, So my dad is a a movie buff. And so Mm -hmm. he, from an early age, showed me lots of old films um, that were great. And he showed me this when I was like, uh, maybe like eight or nine or 10. Oh, wow. Like like, I watched a lot of old films from a a very young age. And um, Mm -hmm. I just loved this film. And I just thought, like ooh like i don't know i just thought it was very interesting and the 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 writing was great and mm-hmm. um yeah when we re- rewatched it it brought some of that stuff back but in a different way i don't know we'll see nice okay well looking forward to talking about it with you um this i up until last night which we streamed um ava streamed this film for the three of us to watch which was a delightful experience um up until last night i had never seen this movie ironically i show two clips from the film in my editing class (laughs) as examples of editing um because uh the film of course uh it's an i show it one of the uh i use it as an example of how in uh, films of this era, they don't use a lot of close-ups. And when they're using a close-up, it's typically more of a medium shot or like a medium mm-hmm. close-up. Um, so I use this as an example uh, when we're talking about editing in a dialogue scene, how a lot of times the, those scenes are much wider uh, in scale. Um, and then I also show the scene, the bathroom scene where they're in the ladies' room as an example of in a dialogue scene how you who's speaking isn't always the person that we should be looking at 
and how you can get a lot know a lot about a character's relationship with another character by what's not being said. And so I've shown those clips in class for the last like, you know, two a year and a half or whatever in my uh, in my class and I've never watched the movie. So now how I How did you find those context. clips if you hadn't seen the film? Uh, you know, I just root around on the internet looking for uh, 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 scenes that uh, uh, I, I think I probably Googled like, you know, classical Hollywood dialogue scenes or whatever. And I and those were those they, I kept seeing All About Eve as this, I think, probably because of the writing. It was uh, one of the, one of those. Anyway, so yeah. I, I pulled these clips off of YouTube uh, and uh now I have some context for them, so I could I guess I could talk about them with a little bit more intelligence in my class. Um, okay, so that is our experience. Oh, did you have something else, Sarah? No, my back just hurts. Oh, no. <laughs> I'd love to get you a masseuse. Um, that, was our fil- that was our experience with the film uh, All About Eve prior to the podcast, so let's get into talking about this movie. The house is a mess, Jack. The kids are a mess, Jack. You're a mess, Jack. You have been a total bitch ever since you came to New York. Seems sort of distant. Let's just do it, man. You look stupid and rich. Stupid and stupid and rich. Fascist. All right, let's get into it. Okay, all about Eve, nineteen fifty. Fifty. Nineteen fifty. Uh, wait, wait, wait. What? What was what? Ro- Ro- Roman holiday also nineteen fifty? <gasps> didn't so we watch stop. Stop. Okay. the last time Ava was on the show was to talk about Roman holiday that was like the feminine mistake yeah yes that was season two of the feminine mistake yeah and then the duchess draws so much from the 1950s clearly I know we'll have me pegged <laughs> <laughs> it's a brand it's a brand it is sorry um, to interrupt no, I think that I can't believe I didn't even think of that um so this film was written and directed by Joseph uh Mankiewicz, yeah, Mankiewicz, uh, famous, well-known Hollywood uh, screenwriter, um, and it stars Betty Davis, Celeste Holm, Anne Baxter, and George Sanders is the only one of the dudes I wrote on there. I assume he plays Bill. I don't know. They all looked the same to me. I'm going to be honest. All those fucking they dudes do. look the same. Same to me. I Although whoever plays Celeste Holmes' husband reminded me so much of someone I know that who little... is someone we know. Yes. Um. So he reminded me of Robert. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Really? I see it. Like I see Celeste it. Celeste Holmes' husband, like in that movie, who like, was Celeste like, Holm? Um. The um, Karen. 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 She Karen. was such a Karen. Karen. There, yeah. She really held up to that name. Uh, yeah. She was ahead, so. She was much. ahead of her time. She was really ahead of her time mm, as a Karen, a proto Karen. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. So, uh, I've got some things written down. Sarah, you want to go first? What you got on your list of things to talk about? All about Eve. Let me check. <laughs> <laughs> I've written down ten things, but I know we're only supposed to write down five. But I've written down ten as usual. Okay. Let's talk about the likability versus the dislikability of the character Margot, because you both like her oh. and I dislike her. Is okay. Are we supposed to like her or dislike her? 
Discuss. Are we supposed to, or why do I? Well, well, well. Both. Why don't you start with? I want to hear why you don't like her. And of course, Margot is the forty. 40- <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, Ava should go because Ava clearly, Ava's clearly itching to speak about this. So Margot, of course, played by Betty Davis, who I believe you guys said was forty-two at the time. Forty-two. Uh, that this mm-hmm. movie supposedly. was made. supposedly um, maybe older. She was maybe. born in nineteen oh eight. That's what we're we've been told. That's what the internet uh, says. Is it wrong? Well, she may have lied. I mean, I would if I was in that time period. Um, it was all Hollywood. Everyone lied. Mm-hmm. Um, Intrigue. I don't even know what I wanted to say about this. I just wanted <laughs> to say that. <laughs> I don't even know if you like or dislike her because I, I know Nicole likes her. I couldn't tell. She's a boss. I love her. I love. She has literally she's a fucking boss bitch of me so far, and I'm pretty sure that. One drunken night, as I was channeling Margot Channing slash <laughs> AKA Betty Davis, someone was like, "Oh, are you an actor?" And I was like, "I'm not, but maybe I should be because you of the way just- that I'm channeling Betty Davis." <laughs> so there's that. Uh, Sarah, here's why I like. How? Why do I love Margot? Let me count the ways. First of all, Margot is an actor who is still getting roles at the age of 40 the character right yes. she is a sought mm-hmm. over actor that is not easy okay like that is not oh, easy in 1950 that is not easy now she looks fucking fabulous in every dress that she wears her fucking dress has fur pockets she can drink like 10 martinis and still be standing and she has the best one-liners i have ever heard in my life and i realized that that uh, those were written for her by the screenwriter, but as the character, I'm gonna imagine that that her brain came up with that, and I just think that she's a boss bitch, and none of this is her fault. Fucking Eve Harrington came in there and like started to steal her life, and she saw it coming immediately, and she was being gaslit by everyone she knows. It is not her fault. Every way that she behaves is totally warranted to me in this story. And that's my thoughts on Margot. Okay. I mean, that Nicole said. I guess I just, because of the friends I had when I was a kid, I don't like that, like, boss bitch thing. That, okay. like, mm. okay, I don't, like, fair. that rubs me the wrong way. And it, gotcha. re- it really rub- rubs me the wrong way. And neither of you guys are bitchy. Like, you guys are bosses, but I just, she just has a very, like, bitchy vibe. And um, sure. I just didn't didn't like like that. I get what it. I'm going to say on this is that I'm I I am used to people catering to my moods a lot, so I totally get Margot. I don't and- get what you're saying because you are the nicest person I know. I know, <laughs> but you are you are so sweet, and that is because I dial it down a lot because <laughs> I love you all. Aww. But when I do not love you, you can ask my parents, you can ask my aunt and my uncle when I had to go to parties just like that. And look, my face really cannot lie. It, it just can't. Me neither. And so whether I'm at work or I'm at a party that my parents or aunt and uncle are throwing, it is just like, when I'm displeased, you know. Mm-hmm. Literally, just this past week, I had to write a whole journal entry about how 
I don't want to scan in this woman's scans that she had brought in that someone had done before, but clearly I don't have the customer service skills to handle that. And yeah. it surprised and shocked me. And she saw it all over my face and I didn't say shit. Mm-hmm. And Eddie was all like, let me calm you down. Meanwhile, my <laughs> face is saying so much yes. as I'm scanning in her stuff that she's nervous talking. I'm like, oh girl, please stop. Because as I get up there, I feel so guilty. I'm about to cry because it's like, clearly I've made you feel so bad. Yeah that i understand margo completely is what i was trying to say no i hear you that i exactly i i mean she just like she is like all of us just hanging on by a thread in this world and eve is just in here to snatch it away from her she is not a real friend like i feel like when you see karen and like margo does lash out at people like that is true And she's all in her feelings. Sure. She likes out of people. I just don't like her face. Like, I really just dislike her face, too. Okay. The, the express expression always, on it. She always looks kind of, she's kind of pissed all the time. And even just, <laughs> like, I hate <laughs> the, ex- the expression on her face, but also, yeah. like, her features, like, her eyes. And, like, So you I don't, don't like Betty Davis's face, is I what don't you're saying. Like right. Face, no. Okay. okay. Oh, all right. There was a whole song called <laughs> Betty Davis's Eyes by What's Her Face. <laughs> I love, she um, looks so interesting. I love the, like, she looks so, I don't, I think that the, there's nothing wrong with having a cookie cutter face, okay? Like, this world runs on, this world lives and dies by cookie cutter faces, for sure. But, like, people like Betty Davis, who have, like, this unique look, are iconic for a reason. Because... Yeah. I, and 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 she's like she really I can see I don't watch as you know Sarah I, I don't watch a lot of older films mm-hmm. um I just you know like I I watch older films I guess I should say I watch older films from a certain time period I love movies from the 60s 70s 80s right those are the older films that I love but okay. the stuff from classical Hollywood cinema is just not really my wheelhouse and but you can see why Betty Davis has such star power like she is so she oh, commands sure. the whole scene. Yes, yes. And I will say she is commands a fantastic a- actress. Mm-hmm. She like like she she's in charge on the screen, like for sure. I just didn't like her but character. Now Voyager. I, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. That is fair. I I but get she's that. She's a great I, actress. Mm-hmm. So great. Um, and it's the thing is, it is hard to play a diva actress. It is hard to mm-hmm. play. A diva actress who knows she's a diva but does not want to be diva, but is so in her feelings. Like that mm-hmm. like I I understand that role because oftentimes in my relationship with Eddie, I feel that way, where he even mm-hmm. calls me Moira. I woke up this morning mm-hmm. saying, Oh my god, is it oh blood? God. Referencing <laughs> 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 Referencing Shit's Creek and Eddie's like, Don't wake up with me laugh because it's like six thirty in the morning and I'm like, That's just who I am. So I get her. Um, yeah, I, as a probable drama queen myself, I totally understand. And the uh, high emotions, I, I totally get that. Like, I, like, she is being, and to answer your question, Sarah, should we, are we supposed to dislike Margot? I kind of think we are. I think that if we were a 1950s audience, we're, I think the movie wants us to think she's a has-been actor, which I don't feel like. deserves what happened to her. Yeah, I do think the movie maybe wants us to think that. 
um, and that she shouldn't be playing these younger roles. And I think that the evidence of that is, uh, and maybe we can hold off on talking about this fully until we get closer to the end, but where her character ends up, like the choice she makes that kind of allows Eve to come in and take that empty space is the the screenwriter said the screener tro- chose to pull her out of the running and say yeah. I'm just going to be a wife and I don't want to be an actor anymore and I was like I was mad yeah I was mad that she made that choice where she was like you know what I don't want to I'm too old to be doing this and I'm like fuck that no you need to so this fucking ass clown needs to write you if he wants you to be in his plays he needs to write good parts for 40 year old women yeah yeah, you know, I and you really feel that in the last scene when and I don't know her name, Baby Milk, whatever, comes into Eve Harrington's room and it's just like, yeah, we had like all these clubs about you, Eve Harrington, and you really oh, feel we're... that dynamic there. Where what it's did you just call her? Baby Milk, Baby Milk, <laughs> Baby Milk, whatever. I don't know. Like that's what she felt to me because yeah. literally, and we'll get she into was very the whole milk toast. Yeah. Very like she literally had milk dripping off of her face when she was talking yeah. to Addison DeWitt, where yeah. just Addison was just like, mm, okay, you go do you, baby. Yeah. Um But literally where she's like, we have these Eve Harrington clubs, and you don't get the sense that there were all of these uh, Margot Channing clubs because or maybe she there already, were, but yeah, exactly. But a, a while ago. She yeah. had already aged out of them and now mm-hmm. all of the clubs club members were now in the thirties and yeah. housewives and not really appealing to the high schoolers anymore. And mm-hmm. it it really does speak to this ingenue thing of Yes, like, which is still a fucking problem. Still yes. a fucking problem and it has been going on for centuries. Yes. Like literal centuries. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say about that, but... Yeah, I think that it's ironic that this movie is a movie that gave a great part to a 40-something-year-old actress. Like, this movie gives a great part to a 40-something-year-old actress, but the part is, you're a fucking you're husband. You're a fucking husband, yeah. And you have to deal with the fact that this younger person is coming in and taking your place. And that's the part. And it's a great part. But that's what the part. part is. And it makes me fucking sad. Like... The, I what I, I and 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 it's not and it's totally believable that that would happen today in in a, in, in in real life in a movie or whatever um but I what if what what if fucking whatever his name is what's the guy's name that Lloyd just a, oh oh what if oh. Lloyd just wrote a script about an interesting 40 something year old woman instead mm-hmm. of writing a part like when he says when he starts rambling about how he wants, he'd love to see even the part because he doesn't want to feel like he's always felt like lately his work is being like held back because he's got this older actress playing a younger role. I'm like, fuck you. You know, who are the least interesting people in the world? 20 year olds, 23 year old men. <laughs> when he saw somethings. Yes. Absolutely. Teenagers are more interesting than 20 tw- tw- somethings. It's true. I was not interesting in my twenties because I was trying to figure shit out. I do I like was the not show, except for the show girls, which I do enjoy. You you learn so much. Like like you not you're not like the stuff I used to write about like was not as deep as it is now. And like I'm sure it'll get more and more like the more mm. experience 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 your experiences you have, the be- better able you are to ha- say things that are it. it 
interesting and sure and so when you're tw- tw- 20 something you don't really have a lot of interesting things to say well and and that's, so, a, that's a fair point i i'm gonna dial it back a bit that in is. that i'm totally joking i do think 20 something year old people have are interesting sarah's making a face um i do think that they have something to say i think people have something to say at all levels of their age that's true that's true but Maybe. let's not exclude okay. The fact that people in their 30s, 40s, 50s, and so forth have a life experience that's worth talking about. Yeah. And that they and that um, and that there are other people who relate to that experience who should be able to see their own story. Yes. Okay. So I feel like this is a really good point to bring in the point that I'm about to bring in. Mm-hmm. But however, um, Eve. I feel hesitant in calling her a bitch because I really do identify strongly with the term bitch. However, yes. so uh, let's just call out Eve what she was. And she was a manipulator. She was. And there I was believe I this... called her a cunt in our chat. I believe that was right. what I called yes, her. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. And <laughs> at first I thought I the same thing. But here, will you stand by it through this? In that okay. if you view Addison and Eve through the lens of LGBT mm-hmm. lens and view Eve as a lesbian and doing mm-hmm. what she can to survive okay. in her world and Addison to do that, what he can survive and both them, Addison calling Eve, you're a killer just like me. And mm-hmm. literally Eve going up the steps with another woman, like cans wrapped around like, oh, we just got them, whatever. Like in that scene yes. after calling You know what? Lloyd, I I agree. I, I first of all, I definitely thought uh, like I saw that in Addison. I saw that in Addison, and so when okay. later he says you belong to me, I was like, are they trying to work in a romantic angle? Because I don't, I didn't, I don't, I don't understand. No that. romantic angle whatsoever. Okay. View it through the lenses of LGBTQ, okay, and then also view it through the Hayes Code of not being able to put any of that out there, and okay. then also through Eve's devotion to um, Margot. That maybe she was really in love with her. I definitely felt chemistry between her and Milk and Milk Face at the end. Like I don't know if you guys so saw in the chat, but I typed in yeah, that was hot yeah, yeah. because they had no. more chemistry than some of the like heterosexual couples in the movie. And her after and reviewing, after reviewing what I thought was someone stealing my essay, I realized my essay was so basic that it was literally covering all the same topics no. that they covered. It was. It was. Somebody I probably stole it. Students do that all the time. I mean, they probably did, but it was also so basic. Um, but yeah, please that, go into this more because this is so blowing my mind. I hadn't yes. heard to me. So, and that's why I thought like they stole my essay because mm-hmm. that's where I wrote my essay to Sherry Huddleston about mm-hmm. it was like this whole idea of LGBTQ intersection and mm-hmm. like not only Margot Channing being this aging actress and this mm-hmm. being a movie about that, but also being a commentary on LGBTQ issues and mm-hmm. Eve trying to find this way out of society. And I've always been intrigued by this idea of women trying to find power in whatever way that they can. And that's fair. At that point, 
being a sex symbol was a way that you could find power. Mm-hmm. And that's why we saw Marilyn Monroe in that horrible, very horrible role. That was another one of my questions was what the fuck was that? Well, let's get back that to role? that. Okay. Let's, let's stick with this Sorry. right Wolf. now. I think this is very interesting. So if we think about Eve and mm-hmm. please stop me if I'm misinterpreting this. If we think about Eve as though as, as a, as a lesbian woman trying mm-hmm. to break into the system in, in yes. a world where LGBT uh, Q people are not accepted anywhere. Right. Um, and that maybe she genuinely has a, an attraction or love feelings towards Margot, right? Yes. Are we saying that? Yes. And she knows yes. those will never be requi- requited. Right. Mm-hmm. And she's trying to transfer that onto the uh, the director. What's his name? Will? Bill. Bill. There mm-hmm. we go. Bill. Trying to transfer that onto him by mm-hmm. setting up all of these, like, okay, don't forget to call him at midnight on his birthday. Like, mm-hmm. and Margaret's just like, what is this going? Oh my God, this is a birthday call and Eve set this all up. Like, mm-hmm. It is transference onto Bill of this love that she cannot have for Margot. Like it just cannot be that explicit. Makes total sense. And in yeah, fact, other movies that have taken this movie and made and twisted it into their own plot, like Single White Female, for example, right. they go hard on the angle that that woman is in love with the woman that they're whose life they're trying to take over. Mm. Yes. Mm. So that and I think is an incredibly. Valid interpretation and does and even if do that, frankly change my feelings about her a lot when you look at it that way. It changes it, and yet you also have to view this through the lens of the Hayes Code itself and what that required of right. writers then to vilify LGBTQ characters. Mm-hmm. And so clearly, right. Addison is a villain, and Eve, you don't know she's a villain at first. That's whole the whole part of the Hayes Code. She, she's frankly very and, transparent. She's very transparent. <laughs> yeah. To us, to us, right. because we, you see through it, but to an audience back then, it's like, oh, she's so naive. She's oh, like, yeah, from the they Midwest. would definitely and not like, Margot's just so mean to her because she's so city, she's which so rings. Right. So old and so city and, and so urban yeah. and jaded. Mm-hmm. Um, and let me, and let me just then, back this up for those of our listeners who don't know what the Hayes Code is. It was a series of rules in. Hollywood in this time period where in order to um, uh, for your movie to be certified to be screened or whatever you had to pass a certain number of decency and I'm making quote hand quotes laws and one of those was well first of all you couldn't have LGBTQ characters in the film explicitly at all but also if a char- those characters would have to appear as a villain and also um, if you had a character who was a villain, that villain then had to have some kind of comeuppance at the end of the film. These were all decency things, among other stuff, like you couldn't show sex. And of course, the the scene where the husband and wife are inexplicably in two beds on the opposite, of, opposite side of the room, that is also yes, can't have one bed. That's yeah. a Hayes Code thing as well. Anyway, sorry, Barf. I don't want to interrupt you, but I just want to insert Barf. that for those that are listening to the podcast that don't know what the Hayes Code is. Right. No, it's an important thing to learn about because it's everything is so intersectional. Like everything influences everything. And it affects how movies are written today, I think, as well. Like it carries over to the way uh, mainstream films, maybe not so much. I think indies aren't as beholden to it. But when you watch a movie like, you know, uh, a Marvel film or even like I don't I'm not going to make this about Star Wars. I promise, Sarah. But uh, people (laughs) uh, people on the Internet that love uh 
Ray and uh, Ben Solo are are very upset that he died, and it's like, of course he died. He's spoilers black. for Star Wars. Or no, 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 just kidding. Not just black. <laughs> no, Finn <laughs> survives. Finn survives. <laughs> Uh, ben had but they killed him because you can't be a villain at the start of the story and be redeemed. It doesn't work that way. In order to appease the quote unquote decency of Middle America, you have to kill off the bad guy even if he changes his heart by the end of the film. It's just he has I feel like that's a rollover from his, He has to suffer yeah. his past sins and in, in this case with his life. And usually often they kill them off. Like it's kind of surprising that they didn't kill off Eve at the end of this movie. Uh, that Milk Toast didn't go in there and just stab her in the fucking heart. Maybe she does in a scene that we didn't see. I don't know. Um, you know so- what I love that we're calling her Milk Toast, and yet there's a whole term <laughs> Milk Toast, where it's just like so watered down. Yes, yes. I mean, she's like um, the watered down version of Eve Harrington, frankly. So um, literally. I, mm-hmm. But I I have a quick question. Um, yes. It was related to this. Fuck. Um, yeah, what were, what were we just talking about? Um, milk toast. Um, we were talking about lesbian. the Hayes Code and the and the whole yes and the whole uh, LGBTQ hidden LGBTQ angle, which I, you I saw I definitely saw that in Addison, like I yes. immediately oh, saw oh. that, but I didn't see it in Eve, and I can't believe I didn't see that. <gasps> is, I can't is, believe is, I didn't see it. Oh, what I was going to ask is, uh, for some reason, like when when you were saying Nicole, how d- like. D- did the men know how dumb they are? Like men are so dumb. And I was like, the men does, in this movie are does, fucking stupid. But my question was, is the screenwriter gay? Because I feel like straight men don't have a good perspective on how dumb men are about wi- wi- women. Mm. Like the, like a straight Ava, man wouldn't have been able like to. A, okay. I'm sorry. Yes. Ava it looks like she's got some, something to, to add here. Oh, it's just me. Like, I wondered the exact same question while okay. I was writing my paper 10 yeah. years ago. And I came to the conclusion, even after, again, slightly diving into it last night, that no, he was not. Okay. Are you which sure? it surprised me. And I have to take his triple marriages as a fact that he was not. Mm-hmm. Um, Can't, do you? I don't. I mean, Triple? we don't know. We, well, uh, it's suffice to know. say there's not enough evidence. Maybe he... He had family members. He has a current family member that I remember Reese looking up on the show and was like, mm-hmm. oh my God, he's related, he's related to Joseph Mankiewicz. And Mankiewicz mm-hmm. literally is my screenwriting inspiration. Like, mm-hmm. precedes Aaron Sorkin or um, mm-hmm. Amy Sherman, Amy S. Palladino. Like, sure. it's, sure. it's... Wow, I can really just, see all those influences in you. I really can uh, Thank that's you. Incredible. That really, that really means a lot. Like that. I yes, really got to see that. But I came to the conclusion that no, he's not. At, so here's a conclusion I made about historical past figures: is at the very least, maybe they're bisexual and they sure. understood being by gender, mm-hmm. but that was a choice they made because of the love of, of their life and mm-hmm. at that current time. Mm-hmm. But just like we cannot go back and identify someone, for example in history like god what is her name the one from the stonewall riots um martha 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 johnson yeah we cannot clearly identify her as a trans lady and we have to Mm -hmm. identify her as a drag lady because Mm -hmm. she never identified as trans i feel like 
the way you honor them as a memory of the past is literally honoring what they did with their life and going by the way the, they wanted to be remembered, how they chose to be, yeah, how they chose to yes. represent themselves. Yes, I will. Yes. I, I will know. Well, I will say this, Sarah, in regards to uh, the way men are portrayed in this movie, is that I would say it's. I think you could say that it might be that classic idea of that women and this. I you see this in so many films, even today. Women are calculating cold temptresses and men are uh, helpless mm-hmm. to see their wiles and yes. that the men in this movie remain innocent because True. they uh, they they are too honorable to to see this or maybe it's a commentary on the fact that when you see women that way, it makes you dumb. I don't know. Like, I don't know that the movie necessarily says these guys are honorable. So I kind of want to take that back. I think the movie, it's hard for me to look at this from here at what they would say in the 1950s, but I feel like it's hard. I feel like the movie makes it clear that the men don't see what's going on, but the women do very quickly. Like the women put it together quick and the men are just like they they totally fall for her manipulation, except for Addison, of course. Um, so I have Who? to wonder maybe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I feel like I feel like this movie does a much better job than just making it this other Academy Award winning movie, The Women, where I feel like, and that was literally a movie where only women had dialogue, and it was based off of a play. But I God, think it's we interesting should that watch that for the show. We, yeah, we really should, and I would be happy to do that with you okay, all because that's definitely also, sure. For sure. Um, but um, I think it's interesting that he chose not only that movie, but also this movie. Bill and Lloyd have totally different voices and totally different viewpoints. And Lloyd is totally gullible. Karen's husband. Yeah. And thank God, because they look the fucking same. <laughs> they do. And I feel like that was a conscious, because he was also writer-director. Right. I feel like that was, I hope that was a conscious decision. But Bill, or did, or saw, did all men look the same in Hollywood in this time period? I don't know. <laughs> probably. I mean, look at Rock Hudson. It right. was all dark hair. They all tall, look the same. Yeah. And so, not a um, blonde, not a dark-skinned man in the bunch. It was just like they are all the same. Cary Grant. Cary Grant is like the only one that looks slightly different. No, anyway. he looks the same. No, I could tell Cary Grant between these two guys. I thought, I'm not going to lie, I thought Lloyd looked a lot like Cary Grant, and so okay, did fair. Bill, but, I mean, that's a whole different story. Um, I thought that Bill, though, saw through Eve from the very first moment, and I thought that Lloyd mm, was very drawn too. in. Okay. Like, even at the airport, he was like, look after her kid, and I feel like kid is a very conscious choice, especially if you're with this whole morality thing where it's like, kid, not sexual at all. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. for well, me, that's I, what. Sure, I, I, but I also think that Bill. I think the way Bill is written is that he only have eyes for has eyes for Margot, and I feel like that yes. scene later after the audition he where he's the, defending Eve. I think that again he sees her as this like innocent, uh, naive person, and I don't think he catches on to her until she comes on to him in the dressing room. That's just my opinion, and I think the reason that he never sexualizes her in the film is that he is, he like he is, his, he is devoted to Marco. That's, that's what I think, but he's devoted to Marco. However, like the scene where, you know, he's defending her in the rehearsal and mm-hmm. where she comes on to him, 
she comes on to him before that and she mm-hmm. he real so he gets to realize who she is way before that mm-hmm. and he gets to call her out on it and she's like he's like i like people who go for what they want but not only oh, that i'm, I'm sorry Marco. i mean i mean when he defends her after the audition not in the rehearsal when they're fighting but when she goes to the audition at right when they break when him and margo break up when when margo is like she's okay. trying to take my part and he's like gotcha she didn't have she's like he, she's your understudy there's nothing going on here like he seems very adamant that this was an yes. innocent I whole, totally innocent there. thing yeah yeah sarah yeah, no, and like I really uh, feel the whole gaslight, light, 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 lighting thing too mm-hmm. in this whole thing. Like for sure, people being like, like the like Mar 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 Margo is like she's a manipulative person. Like she's trying to usurp me, and they're all like, "You're just." no you're too sensitive like you're t- blowing mm-hmm. out of proportion she's not why would she do 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 that what's the motive like mm-hmm. you know well, and and i think the most karen thing that karen does in this whole movie is when she fucking gaslights uh margo by literally draining like she trains the gas from the tank of the car like what what is the matter with you like who are, why would that was that. terrible what a yeah, terrible and, thing to do but that's another that is the I most have. Karen thing to do. It's the ultimate Karen. But like, move. what is Karen's game? Like, what does she want? Does she hate Margo? Does she hate Margo from the beginning? Does she introduce Margo to no. Eve from the start because she hates Mar Mar Mar? I think it is the most Margo? Karen thing. So okay, so Karen actually says it well for her role is that mm-hmm. in the scheme of whether it's film or theater. She has the least amount of power. She is a playwright's mm-hmm. wife. Mm-hmm. Like the director has more power than the playwright and the actor has more power than the playwright and the producer ultimately has more power. Mm-hmm. She is a wife by association, like mm-hmm. married into the family mm-hmm. to the playwright. And she's, I, I, I do understand where Karen is coming from because she's, not only does she feel for her husband, but she also feels for herself in that Margot should not be allowed to treat us this way just because she's a star actress. Mm-hmm. Like, we deserve more than this. My husband deserves more. This is more importantly, I deserve more than this because we're friends. So she uses her Karenness to mm-hmm. say, I'm going to show you, Margot, a lesson. And yeah, I think she wanted to knock her down a peg. Yeah, no. Yeah, that, that was fully her motivation. But she got she decided she got that idea by being manipulated by Eve for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but as yes, to did. what the nature of their friendship is, I think uh, I think honestly that this is and look, I'm I think there's no mistake here that the writing in this movie is brilliant. I mean, it's brilliant. The lines I've never heard in my life so many great quotable yeah. lines. Um, like when, when Margot says, you know, about the, what brand of gin they should have. And she says, they don't care as long as it burns. I mean, what a great line. Domestic, like, yeah. Um, but I don't, I think this movie suffers from what many movies suffer from that are written by men and that, that that they don't know how to write female friendships. And so I think that the, their unfriendship, their friendship is unclear because it, it, it's they stick together when it serves the story. Yeah. Right. So um they are friendly in the dressing room, but 
if they were really friends, wouldn't Karen vet this stranger a little bit more before letting her into the dressing room? Mm -hmm. I would think so. Um, Their friends, I think their friendship seems strongest at the end when they're all sitting at the lunch together after um, Bill and Margo have gotten engaged. But then there's this whole middle period where Karen says a lot about her friendship with Margo, but we don't see the strength of that friendship. And I think it's just an inability to write a realistic portrayal of a female friendship, to be honest to me. Is it that, or is it also, I mean, let's go and say it. This movie was two and a half hours long Mm -hmm. and there was a lot going on in that movie. Like, Mm -hmm. but in a a movie where the female between the relationships, I think the relationships between the women are almost more important than the relationships between the women and the men. They really are. Yeah, and in a movie where that's so important, it seems like that should have been laid out a little bit more clear or something. I just don't think some, I think a lot of men just don't know how to write the way women really talk to each other. And the thing too, is now that you say that it's like the beginning of a movie could have been written a little bit better to, mm-hmm. if that's what they're going to do is say like, they're good, these great friends. Mm-hmm. At that moment, they may not have been great friends, but clearly they said the same thing to Eve. It's like, fuck you, bitch. Mm-hmm. Even though those the words did not come out. Mm-hmm. Um, you, There was a way to underlie that friendship better initially. Yes. Like imagine if, every, imagine if everybody felt really broken by this. Like it yeah. seems like they were mad, but not as hurt. Like can you imagine yeah. if everybody felt deeply hurt by this relationship breaking up? Like that how would that have changed this movie anyway sorry yeah. i interrupted you sarah and well oh sorry no i mean it's just like it wasn't a very emotional movie i guess you could say like sure. it was very intellectual mm-hmm. yeah, um, it was, but it wasn't yes. viscerally like emotional mm-hmm. i don't know i wonder too if that's a comment like if it's making a commentary on the nature of entertainment relationships because sure. yeah. the other thing too is that Margot and Karen were really friends by association mm-hmm. and I think that plays a lot into I think Margot's insecurity Karen's insecurity and a lot of it too like you even hear Margot comment like I'm not one of this Radcliffe girls like mm-hmm. she didn't have luxury growing up in that sure. and I don't know like it, uh, it i i do feel like if i was in the hollywood environment or the new york environment where it's so competitive mm-hmm. where you feel like you don't have the room for friendships would i have the same friendships that i have with y'all like mm-hmm. because i mean there's just not that competitive nature with us because we work together sure. a lot. Well, it, yeah, it was, we we are an environment where we try to support each other, which I think is. Right. I don't know that I'm built for that world of. of I'm not cut, either. I don't know. Think I'm built for that cutthroat world. But frankly. also, I'm not we're, but also we're all so different. Like we're of different ages, yeah. different genders, different races, different. Uh, I don't know. Like it's just like we're not trying out for the same roles or something. Yeah. I don't know. Sure. But also. I'm not competitive about that stuff. Neither am I. Either, so, yeah, that's why not LA or Hollywood. Or I know New York it's. Or. I don't think it's. Yeah, it's not. That's not certainly not for me. Uh, welcome to plug it up. Uh, this is the part of the show where we plug 
uh, or talk about the things that we're doing or that the guest uh, on our show is doing and all the awesome things that they're up to. Um, Ava, could you tell us what would you like to plug? I would like to plug the upcoming short film that all three of us actually worked yes. on, The Duchess of Grant Yay, Park, the which is coming out shortly, and I'm so immensely proud of. Um, yeah, it's and a beautiful film. Also, it. Thank you for that because I cannot say that myself. Um, yeah, and that and other trans equal works that we're working on um whatever yeah so uh where uh so can we follow the, the duchess on social media so we can find out when that when that film is going to be released you most certainly can you can follow along on instagram at the duchess of grant park mm-hmm. you can also follow along on facebook at the duchess of grant park mm-hmm. and you can also go along on twitter Park Duchess. Park Duchess, yes. <laughs> um, thank you. And I, I'm just going to chime in and say that The Duchess of Grand Park is a, a beautiful film. It's a short film uh, written and starring Ava Davis, uh, directed by Brandon Mitchell, who was our guest for the Sabrina episode. Sabrina. Uh, Sabrina episodes. Oh, um, and uh, it's a heartfelt, uh, unique uh such a strong voice and just like a really like it just it makes you feel all the feelings yeah but especially it just makes you feel so good so um make sure that you follow um the duchess of grand park on facebook twitter and instagram and so that you know when the film is going to be coming out uh, and we're almost done with it we're almost done yeah. so close <sighs> Um, Okay, so uh, I'm going to plug something a little different today. Um, If you're listening to this podcast, you know how to find us. So uh, do those things. Um, I would like to plug some really great organizations uh, right now. The um, first I would like to plug the Minnesota Freedom Fund. Uh, These are all organizations that you can donate to that are doing really amazing work. for uh for social justice in this time where there's some fucked up shit going on um so you can find the minnesota freedom fund at minnesotafreedomfund.org uh the naacp legal defense fund uh that of course helps uh, uh fight the all this fucked up white supremacy bullshit um with uh legal aid uh that's n double a c l df.org and uh, reclaim the block uh, which is uh, just reclaim the block.org so uh, this month uh, if you could uh, take some time to visit one of those websites and make a donation um, let's well let's move forward let's make things better um, and on that then that's all that's all I got guys that's all I got for plugs today um I love those plugs. Thank you so much. Um, now it feels weird to go into something silly right now, which is what we ordinarily would do on <laughs> our silly little podcast. You know what? What I think about too is I think about how the past probably seven, six, whatever mm-hmm. days, I've gone onto Facebook and the internet looking for something mm-hmm. silly, and it's hard. It has like. People are yeah. giving ha- the space it, for this 
thing to happen. Yeah. But yeah, it's hard to find a uh, if it's hard to find a way to escape if you're if that's what you're looking for for sure. And I, and this is actually this is me speaking from a place of privilege. Like mm-hmm. so privileged that my parents are Republican. That's how privileged I am. I I need that place of escape because that's what I grew up with, mm-hmm. and I need that for my mental health. And it's been really hard to find yeah. and. I don't know how to function with <laughs> Yeah. Um, sure. I mean, absolutely. And I, for one, am certainly somebody who is <laughs> looking for ways to escape. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, we're all in. I, I have no words. I have no words. And I'm not even sure if my words really should, you know, uh, I'm trying to keep my words out of the situation and, and listen as much as I can. Um, but I will say that in this fucking crazy time that we've been in uh, this whole fucking year is a goddamn shit show and then this last week um to be able to watch a movie with you guys and to record the show um has been like uh the most soothing balm to my heart yeah i i don't know if this is going to be included or not but this is just a big shout out to crop top and the relief that i don't think you know that you provided for the past four or five years or so starting when we all got together not knowing that we were getting together for that purpose mm-hmm. but in 2016 for the um the one minute play fest mm-hmm. and our group got together and the pulse shooting happened yes and there is that cathartic moment for me at least mm-hmm. amongst us all that Dominic then led in all of this meeting. But it, it wasn't just that. It was also all of us meeting later on for 2016 after the election and what all of that yeah. meant. Yeah. In each consecutive moment and how much that meant for me personally mm-hmm. Um, to collectively not just only grieve but just process all of those moments mm-hmm. together mm-hmm. and personally it, it feels really weird not to process not only the pandemic collectively mm-hmm. but also what's going on nationally together like mm-hmm. it it feels weird it feels very isolating because no. ordinarily yeah. we'd be in a rehearsal yes. for something and we could find a way to transition <laughs> that into what we were working on and it uh, it makes it hard for sure yeah it, yeah i mean the the zoom calls and the the podcast recordings and the cast and when we watch stuff like it really mm-hmm. like has really been like i don't know what i would do with without it at this time oh yeah and i have to say i have to give a shout out to you ava for keeping us together every week every week you guys and we have talked about this i think last week on the our last month on the show ava has been putting together movie nights every fucking week where there's a a virtual happy hour and then a movie and it is like my favorite part of the fucking week it is my favorite part of the week and it makes me feel like I can get through this yeah. <laughs> because of you and the way that you are keeping us all together. And I, and yeah. I just love you no, so much. I mean, like I, you're so dependable and 
um, caring and, um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. All right. <laughs> I, 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 this has been, this is what, this has been an emotional roller coaster of an episode. And I just want to say uh, to all of our li- listeners, and, or if you're watching on YouTube, thank you for watching the show or listening to the show. Uh, stay safe, take care of each other, listen, uh, speak when, speak up when, when things need to be said, and listen when it's your time to listen. And we love, I love these guys, or the, I love these uh, folks here on the show, and I love all of you out there, and uh, we'll, talk, we'll see you again soon. Bye.